everybody I feel like has this collective breath of here we go. And welcome to another edition of the Green Jet Ski Podcast. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. That track you hear right there is from Vincent Santa Maria. Of course, for all of his work, go to vincentsaint.com. More of his film compositions. Love having his blessing on Hope Dies Last. Well, it's time for the interview I've been talking about for a couple of weeks. Nick Cartel. If you don't know who he is, you're under a rock somewhere. You may have seen him on Broadway in shows like Paramore. That's a Cirque du Soleil show where he was a standby and performed three, not just one or two, but three main roles. Also appeared in Scandalous, the musical written by Kathy Lee Gifford. And as well, I'm super excited about this. I didn't know that he was in the Broadway revival of Jesus Christ Superstar as not just Jesus Christ, but also Judas Iscariot. That's pretty dynamic range from an actor, I must say. All that to say, let's welcome him to the show. Nick Cartel, how you doing, bud? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, first of all, what I just mentioned fails in comparison to two things. First, your portrayal of your triumphant return of the role that you held for two and a half years pre-pandemic. And now, once again, Prisoner 24601, Jean Valjean, on tour with Les Miserables. But let's get to uh, the most important, which number two, how darn cute your family is that I see <laughs> blasted all over social media. Fellow yeah, actress am, Christine and your and your daughter is just a, a doll. I am very, very lucky that uh, they're out of the road with me. And uh, it is it truly is, is a blessing to have them tour the country with me. And and, you know, was as much as the pandemic was horrible for everyone, it was the bright spot of the pandemic because uh, she was born right at the beginning of it. Oh, that's awesome. And you and you and your wife met in Japan, which is one of my favorite countries as well. Yes, we did. We met working for Disney. We actually met in the currency exchange line uh, in the Tokyo Narita airport. Uh, and uh, then here we are. That is awesome. Well, you guys yeah. keep keep blasting the cuteness on social media. It makes me smile every time. Don't worry. Don't worry. She, we're, we're not going anywhere without it. That's awesome. And, and it must mean I, uh, I was going to get to something else here, but to have your family on tour with you during such a a long haul of a national tour, that's got to make it extra special. It does. And it was one of the reasons that like when, you know, they asked me if I was interested in coming back, I was like, yes, but if I'm going to do this, I can't do it without having my family out here with me. And uh, our producers are wonderful. And they were like, that's Yes, not a question. So uh, I'm very lucky that they're out here. They get to tour with me. Um, and, you know, we we are in Airbnbs and hotels and in rental cars. And thank goodness uh, that the little one is such a great traveler. Um, you know, just on Monday, it was a 13-hour travel day. Wow. You know, from, from two planes and layovers and cancel, you know, like delayed flights and everything else. But yeah, she was a trooper and, and did the whole thing. So um, I'm very, very fortunate that they, uh, they have decided to pick up their lives and come out with me. What a great experience <laughs> for what a great experience for her too. Yes. And it is. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, we are, we're taking it as an experience and we're trying to show her as much of every city that we can. Uh, there's a lot of children's museums that we've hit a lot of zoos, uh, and you know, hopefully more to come in the future. Well, the national tour of Les Mis is, is so special. I'm lucky enough to have seen it twice in San Diego. And then you guys came back down as well to Southern California in Palm desert, which that's a great, yeah. the McCallum's a great theater. It's beautiful um, theater. It's a beautiful theater. 
this has got to be one of the greatest stories ever told in literature and in theater and to be a part of it. I can't even imagine the healthy sense of pride that that gives you to be a part of it in any way. I mean, to be part of this legacy, you know, the show is still running. It's 37 years that this show has been running uh, yeah. on the West End and and around the world. And there's a reason why this show continues to run. There's a reason why audiences clamor to come and see it in in its form in the theater. And I think that it is. It's what you're talking about. It's the story. It's the music. It's, you know, the characters that audiences can dig into and can escape into and can recognize themselves in. Well, it's becoming critically acclaimed because, and I'm just talking about this national tour, not the one on Broadway, uh, but there are even those that are saying this is the best version of the show that they've <laughs> ever seen, and including myself. And I, I think personally, the notes that you hit, Nick, uh, I'm just going to be flat out honest, they stir the soul. And it really, in many instances, it's got a very angelic quality about them. And what does that mean to you? Not just my comment, but some of these other comments that you're hearing coming out about how amazing this performance is with you and the entire cast. You know, it it obviously makes us feel good. It, it makes us know that we're doing our job. We're doing a testament to a show. Um, and it it also is very reassuring to know that, you know, the work that we're putting in, uh, the work that we the, the way that we are building these characters out uh, from rehearsal all the way through is connecting with audiences. There's a responsibility. There's a huge responsibility. Um, you know, the first time that people see Les Mis, that's usually their first, you know, that's always their first entry to the show, but they always walk away with having that character that they fell in love with and the actor that portrayed that character. And so when I think about all of the incredible actors and men that have played this role before me from Colm to Hugh Jackman to, you know, it's, there is such a weight that comes with such with this role. And I'm just, I am glad that our producers and, and more our directors have taken this idea of let's go back to the book. Let's really go back to where this story originated and let's you figure out your way to tell it. There wasn't, it's not a carbon copy of anybody that came before me. And I feel like because I've been on the role now since 2017, and now I'm back in the role, um, I've been able to dig deeper into a character than sometimes other actors are, are allowed to do. Because mm. I've been able to really dig into who this man is and where he's coming from. And also, the first time that I was coming to the show... I was coming to the show from a place of grief. Um, I just lost my mom to ovarian cancer right before my final callback for the show. And uh, to be able to think about the sacrifices that she made to come and see me, you know, in shows that I was doing across the country and on Broadway, all during her treatment. Um, and then to put that into my version of Valjean, right? And the sacrifices that he makes for his daughter. Uh, that was how I was approaching the show. And now, post-pandemic, I'm coming to this show from a place of now I'm a father. I'm, I know what that feels like to have your heart outside your body and, and be so protective over this thing that is the best of you. Um, and to be able to put that into this character, I think, has just deepened this connection that I have to the story and, and to how I work on that stage every night. So you'd say that this version of Valjean that you're doing right now actually has a lot more depth and a lot more color to him. He's seen more of life. And I, and I think that, you know, yeah, 
I, I would say that that's exactly right. Uh, we are, we're living in this world now that everybody went through a collective thing, right? That pandemic kind of brought everybody together in some yep. way, shape or form. And so now when audiences walk in, they're recognizing those characters that they're seeing on stage. And uh, I think that that has helped to also deepen this character even more is to have that understanding of everybody just kind of holding on, trying to get to the next day. You know, mm -hmm. when we sing at the end of the day, you're another day older, it's true. Um, and so I think that I have deepened this character even more post pandemic and, you know, not saying that, you know, the performance wasn't great before, uh, but I feel like I am, I, there's another level of connection that I have to Valjean that I, that I could only imagine before that now I actually can know what that's like. I felt like there was such, and I've seen the show three separate times, uh, two with yourself. And I, there's such a range of deep emotion. Like you can literally feel the emotion coming out of the notes that you, that you sing. And I, and I think there's a bit of authenticity to the way that you play them. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I think that it's, it also has to do, I think, with my upbringing. I was raised Catholic, so there's the way that, as our director said to me, James, he goes, the way that you do bring him home is different than I've seen anybody else do it before. Wow. The way that you just, I and I think that it, it really is, he says, it's like your connection to faith and religion is different than I've seen anybody else have before. And I think that the way that I'm able to tap into that moment, because it's it's really the only moment when I, well, I'm talking about bring him home when I sing, bring him home from the barricade. Yeah. Um, the moment it's a moment that I can just sit. Nothing else is happening. I just get to sit. And it really is the first time that Valjean gets to sit in the show. We start off that show and I am, it's like a, just a rocket, You're moving. right? I mean, yeah. shot out of a cannon. And it is the only moment that I actually just get to sit and sing with the orchestra and have a connection to the story and a higher being. And, and it's, it really is my favorite moment in the show just because there's, there's so much power in that stillness that I have yeah. um, that I love. Well, the role of Jean Valjean, I think it's probably Nick, one of the most iconic complex protagonists in all of literature and theater before getting the part. Did you see a little bit of yourself in him? Cause I know sometimes actors take roles that they say, you know what? I can relate to him. I see a little bit of me in him and I could really add a lot of myself to that particular role. And what did you feel that you could bring to the part? It's one of those things that, you know, it, it was a bucket list dream to be able to do this role. Um, and you know, the first time that I did the show, I did a regional production where I played Marius. And so to now to like shift to the other side of it, sure. uh, you know, was was really cool. And and going into those auditions, there was something that I was just, it just felt right. I knew that that I had my way that I wanted to tell the story. And and luckily we had fantastic directors and associate directors and music directors that kind of helped to shape and mold my Valjean. Um, and, you know, I, I think back to kind of the first day in the studio in, in rehearsal. Because Valjean at the beginning, this idea of Valjean is at the very beginning of the show, there's this animalistic quality to him. He's been in prison for 19 years. He's like that... Uh, rabid dog that if anybody touches you're going to get bit and because all he's known 
is suffering and pain yeah. for 19 years. He's really broken at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were in rehearsal and, and we started blocking that scene. And that first scene is the first 10 minutes of the show, that prologue, where then I sing the soliloquy at the end. It's, it's 12 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes of me just on stage the entire time. I don't leave. And um, we, we blocked the whole thing and then we ran it. And they were like, great, we need you to go a little, a little deeper. We need you, we need you to get a little bit more. And I was like, okay, all right, great. So we did it again. And then we did it again. And then we took lunch and then we came back and then we did it again and again and again. And by the end of the day, we had run it like six times. I was exhausted. My voice was shot. Uh, I was so tired. I was so angry. I was so upset that I couldn't figure out how to get into that headspace and what they wanted. And I was just like, you know what? I was just, I was so angry at myself and livid and just like, and in that moment, I said, that's where Valjean has to be. That's it. Show. That's, yeah. that's it. And I was like, oh, I wish I would have realized that like <laughs> six times ago. Um, and, but that was like, so where it was I the had process to get that to. got you there. It was the process that got me there. And that I think is why I love the rehearsal process so much. And as much as I had ideas of what I wanted, it wasn't until we were really in the space and I was really singing it and putting in the other people because it's such an ensemble piece of theater that that is when I truly found my Valjean. Um, and uh, so I'm, I, all that to say, yes, there were ideas that I had about how I wanted to portray the character, but it's amazing how those ideas shifted when we were in rehearsal. Absolutely. And also as I was reading the book and as I was digging deeper into what Victor Hugo wrote and the way that he described Valjean and the characters and, and how he interacted with people, it changed my vision of what this character was. Tell us a little bit about, a lot of people don't realize what goes into the rehearsal process. They think, okay, you perform the show, you rehearse a little bit. I mean, you guys are literally working just about seven days a week nonstop to get these shows out there to theaters sometimes. Yeah, so our rehearsal process for the show was, you know, we had dedicated five weeks of rehearsal. Yeah. So we had, uh, sorry, six weeks of rehearsal. We had four weeks in New York City. Mm -hmm. at the start of the tour in August. Uh, so we did four weeks in a studio and that's where we are putting ev like putting the show up from the ground up. So we're, yep. we're learning the blocking. Um, we are, you know, figuring out who enters where. And so it's not just me, but it's an ensemble of 28 people that are on that stage every night telling that story. So that's a lot of moving parts. And you have to be sure that everybody knows what their traffic is, as we like to say on stage so that nobody's running into each other because people are carrying fire and there's, there's set pieces moving in and there's props. And so like we get to have this studio time where we put the show up on its feet with minimal sets. It's literally just a rehearsal set because in our show, it's a bunch of staircases and other things. And then it's all the props that we have in the show. So that was four weeks in the studio. And then we get to go to our first city, which for us was Cleveland, where we add all the technical elements. So that's when it becomes a whole other show because then we add the sets and the lighting and the props and and the sound and the costumes and the wigs and the makeup. And so then that whole adds a whole other aspect to this show because when you're in rehearsal, you can only imagine what it's gonna feel like to be walking around in a 10 pound coat in a wool coat with a wig and, and all the other pieces. And then once you get in there and then the lights are on you and then you actually add all that stuff on and then you realize that you are going to be sweating the entire time. It's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's all of the people that are making it happen for us backstage what the audience doesn't see. And it's the traffic of figuring out how that all works together. It is, 
it is a massive undertaking. And it is astounding to me how we can just play one week in a city and then the whole set is broken down over the course of eight hours. It's put into 11 semi-trucks. It's bussed across the country to the next stop. And then it takes two days for them to put the show, the set back up on, on, you know, starting on Monday evening, all day Tuesday, we do a show Tuesday night. And that should tell you it how many crazy. parts, two days. That's a lot of parts. It's a lot of parts, you know, and, and, and then we come in, we do a sound check and we do a show Tuesday night and we do, then we have eight shows during the week. And on Sunday night, the crew then works through the night, breaking down that set over eight hours, putting it on trucks and we go to the next city. Wow. And so it's the only day off that we get is our travel day. That's our only day that we really get to sit and relax, which for me this past week took 13 hours to get to the next city. Yeah. So it's not as relaxing. And they're like, oh, but you only work three hours a week or three hours a night. No. Yes, I work three hours a night. However, I've already, you know, it's, it's, I started warming up to do the show tonight at 11 o'clock and it's, you know, it's 1220 right now. Yeah. So my warm up during the day takes all day because it's also going to the gym. It's making sure that my body is ready. My voice is ready. It's a whole, there's, there's so many elements that go into making sure that those three hours a night with that the audience sees is 100% of, of me and the show every single night. All of this probably makes sleeping really easy. <laughs> you would think, and then you add a three-year-old on top of that. And um, uh, I've been there. Yes. Yeah. Sleep is sleep is a commodity, but I am so thankful. Uh, my wife, Christine, who's, you know, also an actress and, and, you know, amazing in her own right is an amazing partner. And she understands that sleep That's is great. a commodity for me, especially in this role. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, make sure that I get as much as I can. I mean, I had twin boys, so I had uh, double your oh. trouble. It was, it was, Oof. yeah, a lot of work. Noah here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Nick Cartel is my guest, renowned actor. NickCartel.com for more on Nick. And if you want more on the touring show, the national touring show of Les Miserables, head to us-tour.lemiz.com for all the show info. Now, cast of movies and theater, they often become an extension of your family, Nick. The love, the laughter, the antics of your crew that people can see on social media. I, I find it so entertaining. I love it. But there seems something very special about all of you right now on stage. And I mean, tell us about the cast, your castmates, Preston Truman Boyd as Javert, uh, Haley Dorch as Fantine, even uh, Delaney Geyer as Cosette. It just seems like there's such a chemistry. And from what I see backstage, it just seems like you guys gel so well together. We do. We do. You, because your touring fam, your touring family does become your family. We spend, you know, pretty much almost a full year together. You know, we there might be a week off here for vacation or a week off where the tour has a layoff week. But for the most part, we are together. We are celebrating all the highs. We are celebrating all the lows. Um, and so they really become the people that you lean on in those times when you are tired, where you're like, OK, we got one more to do. We got this. I didn't sleep well last night, but those are the people yeah. that are going to pick you up and help you get through the show. And because we are doing such a dark show for three hours, spoiler alert, if you don't know what Les Mis is about, it is a dark show. Um, you will as cry. Much as, there, as much as there is, you know, hope and redem redemption and the survival of the human spirit aspect, 
there is a lot of death in the show. We deal with some dark themes. And, and you know what's funny, uh, Nick? As many times as I've seen the show, I say every time I'm not going to cry. And I cry at the exact same parts, probably even yeah. harder than the previous time I've seen it. Exactly. And and it is it is great storytelling that is happening on that stage. However, because we are living in that space for three hours a night, for eight shows a week, it does affect you. It does affect your, you know... In some respects, your your mental state because you are living in that world and you are day in, day out in those places, a dark theater, dark, heavy costumes, all of that. And so we have to find the levity backstage. We have to figure out ways that we can have fun and, you know, enjoy each other's company outside of that, but also in the theater. So getting to work with Preston, Preston and I, uh, when I was leaving the tour last time, Preston was coming in. So we actually never got to do Valjean and Javert opposite each other. So now coming back, we are opposite each other. And it just, it's such a great partnership that we have. I trust him explicitly in this role because there's so many aspects that there's fighting that we have to do. Um, you guys play very I well off each other. I feel by the like way. the dynamic is just really there. We respect yeah. each other. Um, he's a he's you know he became a father out here on the road. You know his 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 wife had a, had a baby while he was out here. So I think that not only do we connect as far as you know being professionals in this industry and and but we also connect on a level of we're dads and so we also can have fun with each other. We don't think things too seriously. Um, you know, Haley, who plays Fontaine, she honestly is the youngest cast member we have out here. She turned 21 while wow. we were doing the show. And she is probably, we are, she's like my best friend in the show. We're always, you know, together. She's always stopping by my dressing room. And we have such a great rapport with each other. My daughter, you know, calls her her bestie. Um, and it's just, you know, she's one of those people that even though she's 21, you feel like, you know, She's an old soul. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's just fantastic to work with every night. Working with Delaney is such a such a treat and such a dream. She's just on stage. She's so innocent looking and just the way that she sounds. And yet backstage, she's just she's just a ball of light, you know? And so yeah. getting to work with this and I could go on and on about every single member of this company, every single one, because each of them adds such a special aspect to this show the way that they perform on stage and then the way that they are off stage i think you got really lucky because there's connections obviously when you do have touring casts but there seems something extra deep with this one and you know it's it's one of the joys that i have as valjean it is the character in the show that i get to connect at one point or another with every single member in that's on stage. I get to look every single person on that stage in the eyes at one point during the show. And it is it is something that I didn't even realize until I was really, really into it and starting to really do it. And yeah. that it is an opportunity that I have to have a connection with every single member, which then also makes the, the role of Valjean even deeper for me. Um, but it, it really is. It's a great group of people. And uh, I'm very fortunate to be, you know, leading this company with with this group of actors and telling this story every single night. That's amazing. It, it, you know, and I like what you just said, because Les Mis is a story where there's lots of characters having lots of different things happen. The one constant thread is Valjean. And that, and that is true. And, and um, you know, and, and it's a responsibility 
you know, going again back to, you know, the history of the show, but it's a responsibility to this character that, you know, I have to keep that through line going while also knowing that everybody that's on that stage is playing such an integral part in telling this story. You know, I love, I, I a couple times in, in the previous, in 2017 to 2019, um, I there was a couple times where I had a night off and I actually just stayed to watch the show. I sat in the back and to watch the ensemble work in this show is fascinating because they have such an important job of keeping their own storytelling alive, right? The characters that they're creating alive and yet putting all that energy to where it needs to be on the stage. So they're not distracting, but yet they're only helping to enhance the story. And I think that that is, that is the true sign of a great ensemble. And I think that that is what they get to do every night. And it's, it's amazing just in scenes, you know, where there's just two people walking across the back, but they, they're mm -hmm. focusing their energy as they're walking. And yeah. um, it's really cool. Speaking of cool, there's so many great songs in Les Mis. But I have to ask you, do you have a favorite song that you perform? Now, the correct answers are Bring Him Home, Bring Him Home, and Bring Him Home. Go ahead. Uh, bring Him Home is uh, <laughs> probably my favorite song to sing every night. Uh, you know, again, it's it's that connection that I have to singing that song, uh, to getting to sing that song with an orchestra every night and just, you know, my connection to thinking about the sacrifices that I would make for my own daughter and the sacrifices that Valjean is at the same time making for Cosette. You know, he's gone to this rebellion where people are dying and just to find this boy who has fallen in love with his daughter because at the end of the day, he also realizes that he's getting older and he's not going to be around mm -hmm. and he needs to find somebody that will protect his daughter. Yep. Um, and, uh, I think that it's a, it's just such a beautiful moment in the show where everything just settles, everything just stops. And I love the, there's a moment right before I start singing where I just get to breathe and there's a silence. It's like the orchestra has, they've played their kind of the intro to the song and it's right before I sing God on high. And it is just, there's silence in the theater mm. and it's that moment where I, everybody I feel like has this collective breath of here we go. Yeah. And I, I love that moment. That's awesome. So I have to ask you because maybe there's somebody that hasn't seen the show or I've actually talked to people. They look at it differently in your mind. Why doesn't Valjean kill inspector Javert when he's given the chance to do so? You know, I, his life changed. And he and here's the thing is that what he went to prison for was for stealing a loaf of bread. It's not like he went to prison for murder for, you know, for like he went to prison for stealing a loaf of bread. And so at the I feel like even though Valjean is so angry at the beginning, he's he's just trying to figure out how to survive. And with this inspector that keeps going after him and you know, just because he's broken the law, there's also this moment where, you know, the bishop gives him mm -hmm. redemption and it gives, he gives him a second chance. And I think that Valjean realizes when he's on that barricade and they have this very, this small confrontation that Preston does this great thing where you see it in his eyes where he realizes for a split second that Valjean is a man. He's not 
a prisoner and that he is just trying to survive and make his life better. And he has saved this girl. He has rescued her. And he even says to Javert before he lets him go, you know what? If I survive, here is my address. Come and find me. Mm -hmm. I know that we're going to meet again. And the next time that we meet, you can take me. But right now I have a, I have a job that I have to do in saving this boy. And so go, and I'm going to let you go because it is the right thing to do. It is the sacrifices that that Bishop made for me, that that Bishop showed me redemption. And now I'm going to show that to you. And he continues to take those steps forward towards his own redemption at the end of the story. Then you just get that powerful song where Javert is conflicted. And I have to say, with the new LED technology that's being used, mm -hmm. it's absolutely brilliant. It truly is one of those moments in the show that is, it's awe-inspiring. It is. I want to shift real quickly because I find this type of stuff really fascinating, giving back. And through charities, you even mentioned during the touring show, things like Broadway fights, ovarian cancer. It's a benefit concert raising money and awareness for ovarian cancer research that you and your wife love being a part of. The world needs needs more love right now in my mind, more charity, more authenticity. So my hat's off to you. But my question is, why do you give back? You know, when my mom got sick uh, and, you know, it was it was absolutely devastating. And there's there's so many there's so many obviously different charities that are out there. But for me, that one, you know, when we when we started Broadway Fights Ovarian Cancer, it was a way that we could raise money for an organization um, out of Yale. And we could, at the same time, you know, do what we love to do, which is perform. And, you know, as well as give back funds mm -hmm. to help raise, we're also giving back just a moment again to escape into a, an evening of music and laughter and sometimes that is what the best medicine that is needed and i think that you know theater has always been a place for me where there's acceptance and there's love and there's understanding and there's there's not you know there nobody is looked upon in a way that is different. And so if there is a moment in the in an evening where we can say, this is this is for cancer research, for ovarian cancer, but at the same time, we are, we're gonna give you a night of fun and great music and love. Sometimes that is exactly what's needed in that moment. Yeah, and it's now more than ever with everything, like I mentioned, going on in the world, it's, uh, yeah. it's the perfect time. Yeah. What I'd like to also talk about is I didn't even know that you do coaching. I found it on your website. And that's also another way to give back too, is kind of taking the up and coming generation, the the younger talents and being able to give back to them a little bit as well. Yeah, I love teaching. Um, and when I, you know, when I'm not performing, I am, you know, working either at uh, NIFA, the, the New York Film Academy has a music theater program. So I'm a teacher there. Um, but I also just love, you know, giving everything because somebody gave that to me you know someone gave me instruction on how to do things and and i feel like any time that i can help a student learn more about this industry or figure out you know a way to look at a song differently that's how that's you know what i i love doing that i love being able to help to sh to 
get somebody up to the next level that they want to be at. So mm. that's why we also, you know, Fontine and I, we do, um, Haley and I, we do what we call snot. So it's Saturday night on tour. We do these live on Instagrams uh-huh. every Saturday night. And, you know, we talk about different aspects of the theater. We talk about the costumes. We talk about, um, you know, we had our stage manager in just a couple weeks ago where he, he was talking about, you know, how, what it takes to actually stage manage a production like this, because there are people, you know, I have found that there's so many students out there that are like, want to do theater but i just don't want to be on stage but i don't know what to do and so if we can help inspire them to be like well then maybe you want to go into the technical aspect of things or maybe you want to go into directing there's so many aspects to the theater that helps put the show up that sometimes the big and flashy on stage stuff is only what people are seeing so if we can if we can give that education in any way shape or form and i can give that education then that's what i want to do because again, it takes a village to put up a show like this. And uh, if we can inspire a student to want to go into this and figure out a different way, a different path into it, uh, I think that that's really cool. So my next question is actually one, maybe you've never thought about it before, Nick, but one day, could you see yourself coming back to the show after you wrap up, but this time doing the reverse and playing Javert, or would that be a little bit of a disconnect for you already playing a a role that you're accustomed to and have a lot of heart for? You know, I, I, Preston and I've also talked about this a lot. Like, <laughs> should, should we should we do it where we switch? Should we just see what it's like? Because I, I I think that it is fascinating to play the other side of this character. You know, to play to play the role of Javert. And I'm not saying that it's not out of the realm of possibilities. I think that vocally, where it sits vocally, mm. in it might be a little bit. It would be difficult for me just because I have to sit so high for Valjean. However, I think it would vocally, it might be easier. But at the same time, I also know how hard it is for Preston to do every night because of where they want it to be and the yelling that he has to do and and the the aspect of the show he has to have on him. So, you know, I, I would love to say that someday I would I would be up for the challenge. I like yeah. your answer because the vocal roles and ranges for the two parts are completely different. Yes, completely different. So I think that you know being able to to step into those to those shoes would be pretty cool. Well, one of my favorite moments in the show, uh, one of the final questions here, but is when you hear the line "to love another person is to see the face of God." I know you're a man of faith like myself. Mm-hmm. So the show ends with this powerful line from Victor Hugo. What does that mean to you, not only as Jean Valjean, but as Nick Cartel as well? It's one of the last lines that the audience gets to hear before we sing, you know, do you hear the people sing again? Right. Correct. And I think that it le- it gives this, this moment of hope for an audience. And it gives this moment, this collective we get to take a breath all together and say to love another person is to see the face of God, which is just just this beautiful message that we're presenting to these thought to the audience. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we also get to challenge them because then we sing, will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me Mm -hmm. somewhere beyond the barricade? Is there a world you want to see? And I think that that is what is so amazing about this show is that, you get that that feeling of like it's wrapped up. It's this beautiful message of love along with then this message of 
but what are you going to do with that love? What are you going to do with this message that we've just presented for three hours? How are you going to take this now and be the Valjean in your world and in your community and in your life? And, uh, it's it's amazing to to meet people at the stage door that are still wiping away tears and are still, you know, there there's this show has such a reaction for people. And I think that it's again, one of the reasons why they come back to see it time after time after time. It's the message, it's the story, it's the characters, and it's the music um that really creates such an evening of love and hope uh for an audience to see. I mean, there's a reason why it's been going for 30 plus years. That's definitely a very strong, you know, reason to advocate for that. And it's not even about that line's not even about religion. It's about a personal connection with those Correct. in your life that you love and that God has put in your life. Correct. 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 Is there a role out there that you've yet to play? Uh, after you wrap up with with Les Mis, I imagine uh, it's going to be very satisfying, but you're going to be looking for new challenges. What's out there that you haven't done that you'd like to do, Nick? So bucket list role for me is to play the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Nice. Even though I did the tour, I played Raoul. Um, yeah. I was an understudy for Raoul on the tour, um, who's the boyfriend. So I, I never got to actually don the mask, and I would love the opportunity and the challenge that that would be to do that. Um, you know, I think that also, you know, to take up like a King George and Hamilton would be fun. Um but there's so many great roles in musical theater that I would love to to be able to tackle. Um, and then maybe, you know, something new, something that hasn't been written yet that I can then put my stamp on. And then maybe down the road, maybe it would be the next lame is that 35 years from now, somebody would step into the role and go, oh, well, when Nick Cartel first originated that, I think that that would be pretty cool. I know there's, uh, I saw the non-musical version, but I know there's uh, the musical version of it as well. I just recently saw Jekyll and Hyde. Would you yeah. ever have any, any, any interest in playing something? In you know, that? I, I, I think that that would be a lot of fun. And I've auditioned for that role. I didn't get oh, have it. You? But uh, yeah, I, I would, you know, I would love to tackle something like that. There's also another show called The Scarlet Pimpernel, mm -hmm. uh, which is a wonderful show as well that, you know, there's there's a role of, there's the Scarlet Pimpernel role that I think would be a lot of fun to uh, to tackle. Well, it's 130 million people, 53 countries, 22 languages altogether that this legacy has seen. And if someone hasn't seen the show, Nick, Les Miserables, and it is possibly coming to a city near them, which, again, they can go to the link in the description of the show, click on that, and they can find out if it is coming to them. Can you plug the show, Nick? And why should someone come sing uh, sing along with you as you <laughs> belt out these amazing ballads from Jean Valjean? You know, it again, this is a show that has stood the test of time. It's been running for 37 years. It is this story of hope, redemption, sacrifice, love, and truly like the survival of the human spirit. And now more than ever, mm. we have a world that has gone through this collective pandemic and they are fighting to make their lives better. They are fighting for change. And I, they can connect to these characters. They can escape into our world for three hours and really see a story that, you know, we pour our heart and soul into every night. And my hope is that they leave the theater feeling inspired, ready to incite change in their own lives. And, 
feeling loved and again, being in a space where everybody that's in that theater wants to be there. Everybody that's in that theater is going to experience a story. They might they might see it all through different eyes and the, what they take away from it. But at the end of the day, they're all getting that experience together, which is something that live theater is the only place that you're going to get that. Share with your cast because the, my feeling coming out of the show was, you know the story, you know where it begins and where it ends. I didn't want it to end because you mm-hmm. guys knock it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm very proud to continue to present this show now you know i've done the role over a thousand times uh and to continue to do that but also to continue to find Mm. nuances in the show that keep it fresh every night for me um so that it doesn't i don't i i never want an audience to feel like okay well they just didn't want to be there we always want to be there we always we love our jobs we want to be there there was a moment during the pandemic where we didn't know if theater was ever going to come back. So the fact that we get to do this show with this company, with this story means so much to all of us. And uh, I'm just so thankful that, you know, you felt that way. I hope other audiences feel that way that they don't want it to end because in some way, shape or form, we don't want it to end. We want to continue telling this story night after night. And uh, that's what we're going to do for as long as they will let us. Well, I hope it just never ends. You guys just keep just tearing it down year after year. (laughs) You don't need another role. You're hooked in. There we go. Noah here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. If you want more on Nick Cartel, find out about his coaching, find out about the different work that he does, nickcartel.com. But if you want to go see the show, go to us-tour.lamiz.com. Find out if it's coming to an area near you. And hopefully we'll have Nick back on the show in the months to come. Nick, thanks for taking just a couple of moments today and just being such a gracious time with your, uh, a gracious host with your time, I should say. (laughs) Thank you, Noah. That's all right. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having me today. Noah, right here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. More coming up. Thank you.